John chapter 5 is where we've been. John chapter 5, verse 19. I'm going to pick up there. We'll, we'll be in a lot of places tonight. I know that shocks you. John 5, Ephesians 1 and 2, Hebrews 2 and 3 is probably somewhere we're headed as reference tonight. I remember uh, leaving off last week at a pretty hot button in a few things, and we'll probably cross those things a little bit too. I don't think we can get them all fleshed out in one night, but um, right towards the end, last week I threw out a couple of hot potatoes that, you know, God's not interested in our self-esteem, our self-image our um really our self anything <laughs> that is a that is a uh, a very cleverly um cleverly cunning twist of truth that the church and the people have bought hook line and sinker as as gospel and scripture and it's not only not gospel in scripture, it's, an, it's anti, antithetical, it is opposite of, but it's very clever in its approach. But that is much of what is in uh, being taught today is uh, there is no such thing as a self gospel. In fact, the gospel is the word of God, the gospel, God himself is polar opposites with the world's thinking. Thank you. <laughs> if the carnal mind, that, that can be of a believer, that's the fleshy way of thinking of even a believer is at enmity with God. That is the enemy of God. The ways of this world, well, are just that. The, the God of this world is Lucifer. You need to understand that. The God of this world is Satan. And Jesus came that to redeem the world, not the terra firma, but the people of the world, back to God. Uh, we should understand that, that the gospel, the word of God, is never culturally relevant. Well, that's a way to start, isn't it? <laughs> the, the relevance of the gospel is in that it's God's word and it's God's will to reconcile us back to him and it's all that matters. The ways of this world, it, uh, uh, there's even a place in John chapter uh, 5 that we didn't get to last week that Jesus himself says that I, I don't care what you think about me. And he's talking to the religious leaders of the world. I am here. I am truth. I am the Son of God. I, I do the will of the Father. It, it, it upsets your world. You can say it's not. You can say I'm not Him if you want to. You can try to kill me if you want to. It makes me no difference. It doesn't change what's true. And the gospel is is countercultural always. 
The culture of this world is never going to agree with the, with the will of God, ever. And, and the gospel is not a gospel of self. In fact, it is, it is the very opposite of that. The gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the first thing he tells us, he tells us very clearly that if you're going to come after him, the first thing you've got to do is what? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. You say, oh, that's one passage. No, no, that's the entirety. That is, that is the entirety of the book encapsulated into one verse is what it is. Even all the way back, let's think about in Chronicles, <laughs> when, uh, when the writer, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. a lot of people could quote that. It says, if my people, who's he talking to? His people. <laughs> if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. All of those things are just another way of saying humble yourself is just that. As you take yourself out of the equation, your opinion doesn't matter. You go back to my word that before you even pray, you have to get yourself out of the way. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, that is who I am, not what I can give you or what I can do for you, but who I am. Seek my face, and then it says, and turn from their wicked ways. That's our wicked ways. We think of the world and its wicked ways. God, deal, God wants us to deal with our wicked ways. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, it says then. That's an interesting word right there because it marks the condition. It starts with the condition, if my people and four things, and it says then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. We have wicked ways I have wicked ways. He wants them out of us. One of the most wicked ways, well, there is, no, there is no higher wicked ways than to depend on another source for your well-being, for your peace of mind, for your image of yourself, for your self-image. Oh, I could spend the next year and who knows, but I won't throw it in fairly often because it's a lie. I'll deal with the silence. Why do you think we have 10-year-olds today and 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds that will, will at some point, before they're, before they're even out of puberty, that will want to have some cosmetic procedure to fix something about their self? Why? Because they bought a lie of self-image that's been put out there by the world that's not godly. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a point of pride already in a very young life. The whole idea, uh, do you want to know, I mean, if I want to just dive all the way to the end and just flat out hack people off right, at, right here, right now, without going any further, do you want to know why we have five and six-year-olds that want to have their body mutilated, and have the, they have their genitals off, uh, altered to, because they feel like something else? 
It's the highest form of pride that has been fed by the idea of self-image and what I think about myself. It is the culmination of years of what, you, of what I feel, what I think, what, what, what society thinks being okayed and put out there as the highest goal for me to feel good about myself and anything it takes. If, when, you're in, I'm going, when your feelings begin to rule the day, you are living in a complete opposite of what the Word of God is. Because the Word of God is, is not about being ruled by your feelings. Your Word of God is being ruled by what God has said. We were made in the likeness and in the image of God. We lost dominion and, and likeness in the fall. The first Adam, the created from the dust man. But it was restored back, reconciled back with the second Adam, the only begotten of the Father, who reconciled all things back to him, where it was beginning to be reconciled back, where we could even get to him, to be back in his image and in his likeness. That is why everything is in Christ and through Christ, because it, Paul said it at Mars Hill when he was, thinking, when he was speaking to the, to the thinkers who were the philosophers, the thinkers, the, 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 uh, the smart people, the, the, the influencers, if you will, of his day. And talking about all the gods and all the idolatry he passed. And he even walked through. He said, I even walked past an altar to the altar of the unknown God. And he says, let me tell you who this unknown God is. And he began to describe the, the, the workmanship of God and Christ Jesus and what Jesus had done. And in the middle of that dissertation to the thinkers of, of, of that day in Greece, he said that it talked about Jesus Christ and said that it's in him that I live and that I move and that I have my being in him. We have all the topical sermons on hot-button issues that, that were devoid of the Word of God has brought us to a place where we now feel, I feel like this, so I'm going to affirm it with, in the church. When the Word of God never changes. And what I'm talking about, I hadn't even taken scripture yet. I'm picking up where I left off last week. What I am talking about will end up being the most controversial, hot-button things that could ever be spoken from a pulpit because this junk, this garbage, this dung is so widely accepted by the church that even people in this very room that are, that are, that are not controversial, that consider themselves solid in the Word, that it, that it stings just a little that you say, God's not interested in your self-esteem. But I got news for you. He's not. He, you, I challenge you. Go find one place in this book where God addresses how you feel about yourself. Now, I can tell you, Paul talked about some ways he felt about himself, but you know what he followed it up with? I, I, I did a little looking at it the last few days. Paul would talk about, I feel like I am the least among the apostles. Yeah, that was his feeling. That, okay, hello? That was his feeling. 
He says, I, I, I feel like I'm the least among the apostles. He said, but God has called me to be preeminent. To, be, to lay the foundation of the new covenant. To give, to give you the understanding of how you live for God. That how we live by faith. I feel like I'm the least. God says, I'm the forefront. If Paul had followed his feelings, he would have never written Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, 1 and 2 Timothy, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. He would have never written it because he would have never felt worthy. Let Peter write that. Are y'all even hearing me? He says, talked about, uh, 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 that it was, uh, about sinners. He said, who I am chief among the sinners. But then he goes on to tell how he was redeemed from his past and from the destruction that he was in. Never calls himself or anybody else a sinner again. See, that goes, that goes with, with uh, the thing that feels, you know, most of the things that, are, that we do that are error, they, are, they feel so spiritual. Did you hear what I said? It is, it feels so spiritual, feels so spiritual. There's a reason for that because our flesh loves to be appealed to. Y'all, do you you know your flesh loves to be appealed to? That's why people love to do things that are just dead works thinking they're pleasing God. When when God, God, God even told David and and, and, uh, Saul and others, he said, was the sacrifice God's will? Was it? Was the sacrifice God's will? Of course it was. But he even told them in their sin, he, David said, I would have given you a sacrifice if it would have pleased you. God, even, God told people, Saul, King Saul, he said, I don't want your sacrifice. David said, I would, if, if, if a sacrifice is what you wanted, I would gladly give it to you. Now, what's he saying? That God, did, that God never instituted a sacrifice and that wasn't, that wasn't the uh, precursor to Christ? No, that's not what he's saying. He was saying that if, if, if it would satisfy me, if it would satisfy you, but I wouldn't have meant it. So he's telling Saul, I don't want your sacrifice because you don't mean it. It's just a work that makes you feel like you're close to me when you're far from me. Do you hear me? Well, see, your flesh loves that junk. That's why when we talk about self-anything, people suck it up like a sponge. And then when, and then when people say, when, then, then when a preacher has the nerve to come along and say that self is outside of the gospel, people get all mad and they get all huffy and they get all puffy and they start coming to you with their finger here in their Bible. Well, they can't do that because it's not in there. That's one of the things a preacher loves to see somebody coming towards them like this. Because that means the challenge is about to be on. It does. Yeah. <laughs> but you know why it's so upset? The, the, this is what Paul told Timothy. He said that time would come that men would no longer endure sound doctrine. But they would heap up for themselves teachers having itching ears. 
I've told you a thousand, there is nothing more controversial than the truth today. There's nothing more controversial. Uh, what amazes me, even among my colleagues, that you can lay down chapter and verse in context and, and build a whole systematic theology from beginning to end, and their, and their answer will still be, yeah, but. But you can turn around with that, that, that garbage they're trying to lay out, and you can say, give me scripture for that. Based on, or uh, that's a great thought, based on what? And they'll say, well, I just feel like that this, I don't care how you feel. I don't care how you feel. What does the word say? Nothing more controversial. Never mind the world. And what's supposed to be God's house than the word of God. This thing is not just for keeping you out of, out of, out of hell's flame. It is, for, it is for conforming me. You know what God is doing with us when we get in his word, when we apply it to our life, whenever, whenever we begin to live by it? We are being conformed into the image. What I mm. Turns out it's not about your self-image. Turns out he's not interested in, how, in your, in your, in your self-image. He's interested in his image. He's interested in reconciling you back to him that we're being, Jeff, it clearly tells us we are being conformed into the image of his dear son. The goal of the gospel is not to make me feel good about myself. The goal of the gospel is for me to be right with God and, and not just feel right, but to be right. It's not to feel right, it's to be right. And there is nothing that challenges your, your, your our, our flesh harder than to, have to, than to have to conform to the image of his dear son. There is nothing. It's why Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, let's get, you know what that says. It says, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, now listen to what's being said. I'm begging you, by God's mercies, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service the next thing is what I want you to hear again and be not conformed to this world let me help you let me help you amplify that verse and be not conformed do not be molded into conform means to mold Water, water, as you know, can, in its liquid state can take no form other than the container that it's put in. You know what would happen if I open the lid and turn it upside down? It'll pour out and it won't be in the shape of that bottle when it hits the floor. It's whatever you put it in. It conforms to its image. Do not be conformed. Do not take on 
the mindset, the thinking, the mold, the container, the press of this world. Don't do that. But be you transformed. Transformed. The word there is literally the same word as metamorphosis, caterpillar to a butterfly. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't become formed. Be transformed. The only way, the only way you're going to be transformed is to get out of the mold. That's it. That's it. I got to get out of the, I got to get out of the press of the mold of this world and my human thinking and get into being conformed to the image of his dear son. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not a gospel of self. It's a lie. If if there ever was a time that the church people, the people of God, it's the time when it's come to full, that it's come to full maturity of what it looks like when we are ruled by what, what I just feel this and I feel that. And, and, you know, if I could just do this to me, then I would feel better. And then you don't. You don't because you're, you're, you're still the same you. You just got lips that you can't talk anymore. (laughs) We got people. (laughs) They look like Jack Nicholson in Batman. They look like the Joker. Do you know how that happens? Do y'all know how that happens? They're so wrapped up in in their self-image that they can't look in the mirror and see they look ridiculous. And and it's all spiritual. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's that? The renewing of your mind. You got to change the way you think. You got to change the way you think. You've got to change the way you think. You've got to change the way you think. See, when, when, you, when you were lost, you thought like your father. I don't mean whoever begets you with your mother. I mean your father. Like the, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're of your father, the devil. Oh. Most of the church world can't even accept the fact that we, that we were all sinners. Hold on just a minute. <laughs> that, you need, that you needed to be born again. Not fixed up. That's why he makes us new creations in Christ Jesus. He doesn't fix us up. He doesn't give us a tweak here and there. We have to become something else. Hmm. 
And he goes on to say, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, the perfect and acceptable will of God. Oh, Jeff, if I'd have just ended there, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. But just to keep driving home the point, he said, and continuing in Romans chapter 12, he said, and think not more highly of yourself. This is what he has to say about all that self stuff. Think not more highly of yourself than you ought. Mm. Mm. I say through the grace given to me. Boy, I never saw that before, but I'm going to tell you, if you're going to say this kind of stuff, you better have the grace of God on your side. Oh, y'all, y'all missed that. I told you about the grace of God Sunday. That's the power of God in you to do what you can't do by yourself. That's, the, that's God empowering you to, to take on the things that you can't take on. Hey, Paul said, I, I can. do you think he wrote that just to make his language pretty? Do you? For I say, through, through, I say through the grace given to me. Oh, I don't think y'all's catching on to that right there. That's some powerful words right there. He's just told you to sacrifice yourself, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. He's just told you, change your thinking, be, be don't conform to the world's way of thinking, be conformed, be transformed to, to the mind of Christ is what he's talking about, that you, may, that you can prove the acceptable will of God. You can't please God if you don't do this, by the way. It's what he's telling It's the only way to please God. He says, for now, for I say to you, through the grace of God given to me, that's the only way he could have said it. To everyone, uh, wow, what a word that's there. Huh. Would somebody do me a favor and run to my office and look up everyone in Greek? I'll save you the time. It means everyone. No, he was on, the duel was on his way. Duel was on his way. I'll tell you what it means. It means everyone. No one excluded. Let me help somebody on this side. It means there's not one among you special. I'm talking to all of you. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, for God has dealt with each one, the me- to everyone, the measure of faith. For we, as we are members of one body, but all members of, of, uh, do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to get to John 6 where I left off last week or not. I picked up exactly where I left off, but I hadn't read John 6. Whatever. John whatever, John 5. Do you know that Paul is continuing to address this idea? 
He's saying, I'm saying to the grace of God given to me that you don't think more highly of yourself. To everyone among you that you not think more highly of yourself than you ought. For God has given to each one the measure of faith. And he says that we're all one members of one body, but we don't all have the same function. That's addressing that self stuff too. Because there's somebody, if he don't address that, we're all members of one body, we all have different functions. Because if he didn't address that, their self is going to come up, their pride is going to come up, their ideology is going to come up and say, why is he the head and I'm a foot? Why do you think you put it there? We, we're all members of one body, but we, all the members don't have the same function. It's all in the same. Now, somebody help me. I, I'll stop right now. I'm not being a smart aleck. I'll stop right now. If you can take that in any other context, to not think it, to tra- be, change your thinking by the Word of God. Grace given to me that, that you don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Because God's given everyone the measure of faith. We're all members of one body, but we don't function the same way. Because he's addressing that somebody's got to be a head and somebody's got to be an arm and somebody's got to go and somebody's got... And everybody wants... I mean, in most cases, everybody wants to be the one. Having then given differing gifts according to the graces given to us, let us uh, use them. If prophecy, then let us prophesy in proportion to our faith and ministry. Let's... He's continuing to say, God's not going to use you, all of you the same way. And I can tell you that's a thing. I can tell you that's a thing. I can tell you that's a thing. It's a fleshy thing. Let me tell you how I know that's a thing. I was looking on a Facebook page the other day with a bunch of people at a conference. There was about 16 people at the conference and 12 of them were apostles. Exactly. Exactly. Some of you chuckle. Exactly. Now, I believe in the fivefold ministry still for today. I still believe that there's, that there's the first prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers. That's what the Word of God says. But I had a problem when there were 16 people at the whole conference and 12 of the 16 were, were apostles. I thought there's more apostles in that room than there was at the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. And there ain't enough, and there, and there ain't enough power in that room to blow the bottom out of a wet sack. For all of you that get that, I'm glad. And those you don't, that's good too. You know what causes stuff like that? Because it wasn't enough for them to all show up and just be a teacher. That's why. Because they could walk in and they can say, Good afternoon, Apostle. Why greetings, Apostle? That was going on on the comments, by the way. Apostle, 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 apostle. I thought, Jim, and he Christmas. That's called thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. <laughs> Jesus couldn't even do that. This is back to Romans. This is back to John 5. Well, I told you last week that the word has no beginning, no end. Remember? Jesus is the living word. Do you hear it? Remember? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Same as in the beginning with God. Everything was made by him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. All that. Remember? John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Became. Remember, I told you that last week. The word became something. 
What did it become? The, it became flesh. It, the, the begotten son, Jesus. <laughs> the son, the begotten. That's what he became. He wasn't always the son. He's always the word. And when it speaks of the son, it's speaking about God incarnate, God becoming flesh and dwelling on this earth, wrapping himself in human flesh, setting aside the privilege of his deity. He was always God, remember? It's right there in John 5. He was always God. He never, he never quit being God. It's that, as a matter of fact, that's what John 5 is about. It's about him saying, declaring that I am he and the Pharisees trying to blow up the world because they know that he's saying he's God. And they go on challenging him. And this is the, this is, this is the manifestation of God. This is, this is that when Jesus became flesh, he came for a purpose. And he, everything he'd done on earth was what I told you he'd done as a man. Empowered by the Spirit of God in obedience to his Father. Philippians tells you that Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Remember? But he says, but he humbled himself, taking on the image of a man, and died, even the death on a cross, a criminal's death. Yes? What was the humbling himself? It was, it was that he, 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 he stepped into flesh and operated as a human being, not in his divinity. He act, he, he, his humbling was in submission to his father. I'm fixing to prove that a little more to you. Because it's so right. And what, what, am I what did I tell you all that for to bring you to here? Because I've already told you that er Jesus done everything on earth to show us how to do it on earth. He didn't leave anything out. Everything he done on earth was to demonstrate in the flesh that a spirit-empowered person, somebody that's saved, lead it, being led by the Spirit in obedience to the Father, can do it, can live it, can, can, can live out this life. This is where in John 5 he goes and tells me, Remember who he is? He's, he's in the beginning with God, was God, is God. They have the, First John tells you that they're one, that they agree on everything. They're unified. There's no disagreement. Are you with me? I'm trying to drive it home. I'm trying to get you to understand that self-image has nothing to do with it. It's obedience to the Father. It's what he says. He, now Jesus has humbled himself. He's left the splendor of heaven. He is the very one that when the Genesis says, let there be, who is he? He's the word. So you know who the let there be? The let, the let there be wasn't a what, it was a who. Let there be light. Who? And there was. And God, what, said, it is good. I'll remind you that that was the first day that the sun, moon, and stars and all the heavenly bodies were not created until the fourth day. You, he says, I am the light of the world. And by the way, he'll be the light of New Jerusalem too. He will never change. 
Because there's going to come a time when it's all said and done. See, it's never changed. He was the light in the beginning. He was the light when he came. He'll be the light. And said, in the new Jerusalem, said, there will be no need of the sun, nor the moon, nor the stars in the heavens. It said, because the Lamb will be the light of that city. In John chapter 5, he told, those, he told those religious leaders, he said, I can't, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. I don't say anything. I don't do anything unless I see, hear my father do it. You know what he was saying? I do what he says. I am what he says I am. We sing that every once in a while. Some people look at us like we're, we've, we've gone all modern and don't know what we're singing anymore. But we'll, we'll get up there and sing, I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. First time that came out, because I like the rest of the song that got to that, I thought I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like those 7-Eleven songs. Y'all know what 7-Eleven songs are? That's seven words 11 times. I wish y'all. <laughs> I don't like those 7-Eleven songs. Modern songs, they need some hymns where they had some theology, you know, like when the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Turns out 7-Eleven songs have been around a while. Depends on what them seven words are. That they have any substance to them. And I began to realize that one thing this church world needs to hear is I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. You know what? That is some 7-Eleven singing that is as theologically sound as anything you'll ever read in the old red back Church of God hymnal. That everybody thinks it was written right after Deuteronomy. That's good. It is good. Because you know what? There's something we need to know today. This is exactly what I'm talking about. I am who I am. Not because TikTok has a trend. Or Instagram has changed the world. Or that, what's a, whatever, you know. Do you know how powerful those things are? Extremely. Extremely. You want to know why the world has moved at warp speed in the last 10 years? That they, you, the things that you knew were in the Bible, that you knew were going to happen, and way down the road, and then all of a sudden it went from boom, here to here. Do you know how that happened? Right there. Mass communication all over the world were those people that, that little magic buzzword that's so big today, the influencers. You know why they're called that? Because they influence. You know how I know that? Because I've seen places in the world that was just had the pure gospel just living in 
grass huts and mud that had the pure gospel. And when the, when the towers came and everybody started coming out of those mud huts with one of these, that all that prosperity, all that stuff started sweeping those nations too. And you know why? Because you give them a cell phone, the world, everybody, and a cell phone tower and a signal, and they want the same thing everybody else wants. And they sign up for the same things that everybody else signs up for. Start following the same influences everybody else. And suddenly, things that, things that were not acceptable in any way, way, shape, form, or fashion 10 years ago, suddenly it's completely acceptable and you don't know what you're talking about. I'm just influenced. See, when the, in the absence of the Word of God, you can believe anything. Jesus, Jesus himself conformed to the will of his Father. You know why? To demonstrate for us how to live for him. That's why. So whenever I threw that, that, that bomb out there at the last... Well, I've thrown a lot of bombs lately. I'm not out here trying to throw bombs. I just fell in love with the truth. And that's, you know, that's what you've got to do. Do you know, if the church would fall in love with the truth again, none of this would be controversial. We would be radically transformed just like that. It will free you from so many things. It'll take the burdens off of you. It'll lift the weights because... His, you know how I know? Because I'm going to agree with the word and I'm going to know that his yoke is easy and his burden's light. That I don't have to please any, if, I, if I'm pleasing him, let me tell you a little, this is just a shortcut, I'm, 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 I'm going to stay on track, but I'm trying to drive a point home because he's everything. It's in him, I live, I move, I have my being. This word is truth. Thy word, the psalmist says, thy word is truth. Heather, if this word becomes paramount to me and I am pleasing to God, I will be pleasing to my wife. Assuming, of course, that she has the same attitude. No, that's true. There's been some very godly people that their marriage ended because there was a rebellious spouse that wasn't going to live or have anybody else living for God. You know how I know that's true? Because Paul addressed it. He says, if you live with an unbelieving spouse, if they'll live with you, be happy to live with them. He said, but if they won't live with you because you're saved, bid them, bid them good day and you're no longer under any obligation. That's what it says. Tell them bye. Doesn't say, tell you to kick them out because you're saved and they're not. He says, if, if they'll live with you, live with them. What I'm trying to tell you is, is if you're living by, if you're conforming to this word, and I'm conforming to this word, if we're both living to please God, we will please each other. We will. 
If I, because that's what believing the word will do for you. Because I'll start living by what the word says about husbands and wives. And it'll be in agreement with God. And if we're trying to please God, we'll please each other. I know. You know how I know? Because that's what the word says. And the word's right. I like you. Are you right? But you know how I know I'm right? It would just be an opinion if the word didn't say it. It wouldn't matter if I had memes that had Joe Sanchez saying, yeah, you're right. (laughs) I'm only right if I agree with the word. Because the word is right. Oh, Church of God and Christ tune they used to do that said the Bible is right. They used to sing that. That lead singer up there would say, the Bible is right. And that choir behind him would say, and somebody's wrong. I like it. Hebrews chapter 2, let's go there. Are y'all okay? You seem okay. If I, if I read fast, will you listen fast? Some of y'all don't believe I'll read fast. Chapter 2, are you there? I'm going to back up a lot of this right quick. From not just John, not just, not just 1 Corinthians, not just Ephesians. I'm going to back it up in Hebrews now. You ready? Listen to what Hebrews says. Therefore... We must give more earnest things to what we have heard, lest we drift away. For if word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every, every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That's a whole other sermon right there. At, which at first began to be spoken by the, by the Lord, and is confirmed by us, by those who heard him, God also bearing witness, both through signs and wonders and various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. I just wrote about that today. The, you know, signs, wonders, gifts of the Holy Spirit, all the uh, signs, wonders, wo- signs, wonders, signs, wonders, miracles, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're according to God's will. God's will never changes. That's why I know cessationism is a lie because they're God's will and God's will never changes. <laughs> Woo! Uh, that's another bomb. For for he has not put the world he, for he has not put the world to come of which we speak into subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, "What is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You made him that the him here is actually Jesus. You made him a little lower than the angels." And have crowned him with, a, with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. Can I not read quick and explain to that? Because some of you are looking at me like, what in the world? Are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? He made Jesus lower than the angels. Jesus is God. When did Jesus, because see Jesus, God, the word was never made. The word has no beginning and no end. Remember, we have this, Hebrews is even going to talk about a few chapters later. We have this high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Go find out that Melchizedek has no father, no mother, no genealogy, no beginning, no end. Why? He's God. Hello, this is, do I give y'all too much in one night? Let me hit, okay. 
He says, he, he's talking about Jesus. Hebrews 2 is beginning, 1 and 2 is beginning to talk about, remember the theme of Hebrews, Jesus is better. The theme of Hebrews is Jesus is better. He's better than the law. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better. He's better. Okay. And he's talking about, we're not, we're not, Jesus is better than the angels. We're not subject to the angels. He didn't give the angels charge over us. And thank goodness. He says that as it is written, what is man that you, God, are mindful of him or the son of man? Who's the son of man? That you take care of him. You have made him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands and have put all things in subjection under his feet. He's talking about the incarnation that the human flesh created lower than the angelic host. He's not talking about his deity. He's talking about his humanity. And in his humanity, he set him over everything and made them... uh, if you'll go to, I'll just tell you, if you'll go to Ephesians chapter, chapter 1, you're going to find out that, that all things have been made subject to him, put under his feet, and we've been seated with him far above principalities and powers and seated in heavenly places. He's talk, and, and that all things were put under his feet. Hello? Okay. I felt like he had to understand that. For in... That he put all subjection under him, left nothing that is not put under him. It's hard to read fast whenever I'm trying to get it through our head. There's a whole parcel of things I can get. Our mental health, you know where it is? Under him. You know where you know where a demonic attack and oppression and depression and oppression and all the pressions are? Under him. Do you know, do you know, back to, you know, do you know who I live in under him? Do you know, do you know uh, who guides me, walks me, who, who is, who is my, who establishes my coming and going? It's him. Do you, do you know that there is nothing that he didn't pay for? It's not just to save you. I got to keep reading or I'm going to run out of time because I'm not, we'll be back to this. You're not, you haven't heard the end of this because I'm never going to quit preaching that all these false substitutes for him are destroying us. For, (laughs) let me say that, read, read, read that. For in that he put all in subjection under him, that's Jesus, he, God, left nothing that was not put under him, Jesus. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. He's talking about that, the, the, that we're still in this world, that it's not all completed, the millennial, that the millennial reign hasn't happened, the second advent hasn't happened. It's being restored, okay? Are you with me? He was, uh, but now we do not see all things, but we see Jesus. See, I told you who he's talking about. He was made a little lower than the angels. See, I told you that was who the psalmist was talking about. For the suffering of death crowned with glory that he, by the grace of God, Jesus in the flesh, when when the word became flesh, needed the grace of God. Scott, have you ever seen that? Look who it's talking about. We see Jesus 
who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, who's the he? Jesus. That he, how? By the grace of God. When the word became flesh, when he, when he stepped outside of his deity, he was a human. You know what he did? I'm going to show you in a minute. He lived by faith and in grace. I just showed you. By the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Do you know what Jesus done? He done it just like I have to do it. Somebody ought to shout when they realize that. Then you know what we ought to do? We ought to quit living beneath our privilege when we see that he's done it. And when he, because he's done it, we can do it. We ought to quit living right here and start climbing. Because that's what he wants. That's when the joy will return to the church. That's when the shout will return to the church. That's when the praise will return to the church. That's when the power will return to the church. And it will not return until that happens. And you know, but the thing about it is, it's already bought and paid for. It's already in the Word. All it really needs doing is for one person, two people, three people to begin to believe it and to live it. That's what needs to happen. How long? I would ask. How long? For it was fitting for him, verse 10, for whom all, for whom all, for whom are all things and by whom all things and being many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one you know who he's talking about us for this reason He's not ashamed to call them brethren. That's talking about Jesus calling us brothers. He that was sanctified, sanctified us. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing his praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I, the children whom God has given me. This is talking about, this is the psalmist talking about Jesus. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Here, let me, let me help you. Probably should have read NLT. It's easier for you to read and understand in a group setting. He's saying, when the angels fell and transgressed, God didn't do anything about it. He didn't save them. They were created beings. They were not created for the same reason that we are flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, that it, he put his breath in us. We are, we are something completely different. Because, see, the angels fell just like we did. But the angels, he didn't, he didn't save. The third, the third of the angels that fell, they're still falling. 
But he did save us, the seed of Abraham. He said, that's the Jews. No, when you're in Christ, you're the seed of Abraham. Don't have time to go there. I could, but I won't. Therefore, this is what I need you to see. If you don't hear anything else clearly, get your mind right. Go back and listen to this. Go dissect it. Go digest it. Go, go read it. Therefore, there's, there's that magic word. In all things, how many things? All things. He had to be made like his brethren. He just told you who his brethren were. When the word became flesh, when he stepped into humanity, when he, when he humbled himself, he became me and you, was not ashamed to call us his brethren. It says, in all things, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in all and things pertaining to God to make the propitiation for the sins of the people. The propitiation, that word literally means, propitiation means that he was the, it's literally, he's the only sacrifice that will satisfy the anger of God. That's what it means, literally. Had to be him. Next verse. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he was able to aid those who are tempted. Two places in Hebrews 2, it's already telling you that it was all things. That he was, he was made, he was made, he was made, uh, that he brought all things under him. That's everything that will tempt you, everything that will touch you, everything that will torture you, everything that will try to throw you off track, everything that will tempt you, all things. And he became just like me and you so that me and you could be, you know what? He became like me and you so me and you could become like him. And while I, I let me just beat a dead horse, I, Jesus didn't have a self problem. You know who he always knew who he, you know what he always knew who he was. And the problem, do you know why the church world has the same the same depression rate, medicated rate, suicide rate, divorce rate? That should not be. That should not be. Well, for one thing that tells you that can that 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 well, I won't even go there. That I just say that should not be. That should not be. Because that tells me people don't know who they are. Mag Church, it's, it's not even late, so don't check out on me. The reason you have to know this word, among others, one of the most preeminent reasons you have to know this word is if you don't know this word, you don't know who you are. And if this word don't define you, this world will. And the thing about the world defining you, what the world has in vogue and in trend, 
and cool and acceptable and right and what you conform to right now that's the, the most popular thing. In five years, they may, you may lose your job over it and get thrown out of office over it because the world's completely flipped. Have y'all not looked at this world? Just look at the political world. Things that were 10 years, 15 years ago were complete, 20 years ago that were completely unacceptable, not even controversial. Yeah, hear me, you're not, you're not listening. Things that 15 years ago, that wasn't even controversial. In fact, it was completely and widely accepted. Those same things today will keep you from being elected. Or if you're in office, will make you cause you to have, that they find something 15 years ago that you wrote, that everybody else wrote too, but they don't like you and they appoint it out and you got to go. You can't keep your job. You know why? Because what the world's opinion and what you conform to changes with the wind. It's why when you, you, it's why you go all this way to do all this and then you get there and you're no happier than you were. Because it's shifting sand. You can't build on it. Oh, I could give really funny examples. Not so long ago in Western culture, pasty white and fat were fashionable. Man, I'm just born in the wrong age. I'm not kidding. It wasn't that long ago in Western culture, in Western, in, in Western European countries, that pasty white and fat were highly fashionable because that means that you, you wasn't working in the sun, that you had means, hello, and that you had plenty to eat. And today... I mean, I spend half of my life mad because I, I have two shades. I have translucent white and sweatshirt red. Cody Bullion was down on the river in Africa and come out and I thought, I hate that color. You know, that, just that perfect deep tan. I thought, he makes me sick. <laughs> thought, I still got some hair. <laughs> I'm just messing, y'all. Calm down. Still right now? I'm trying to tell you that the reason people blow their brains out, the reason that people have to have this done this way and want to change this and all that and this and that and the other <laughs> and they're never satisfied it doesn't fix anything I don't care if you got crow's feet and you want to have them zap zap your crow's feet who cares I'm talking about because you don't feel good about yourself and you think if you do this that it's going to fix your problems if I get half a chance to get these done I'm doing it I'm telling you but, it's not, but I'm not going to die tomorrow if I don't. Right. I'm not going to be depressed tomorrow if I don't. I'm not, I'm not going to feel like I can't be friends with somebody if I don't. That I don't fit in some circle if I don't. That I'm not acceptable if I don't. Are you hearing me? Because if I didn't say that, somebody would come saying something about that. I don't care what you have lift, jerked up, tucked, zapped, or whatever. Who, uh, glued on. 
Got people have eyelashes that look like they got a blown out tire on their eyes. I don't bother me. I'm not even against eyelashes. But sometimes it's like this. <laughs> Y'all have seen them? You know what I'm helping y'all do? You know what I'm helping them do, Jeff? Swallow. You know what that helps you do? Swallow. Yeah. That's that spoonful of sugar. I'm talking about what's inside people that they think I've got, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, if I don't fix this, if I don't do it that way, if I don't, that they can cope. And it's, he showed us how. It's because we're searching for answers in all the wrong places. We'll spend everything we have. We'll counsel it to death. And still ain't happy. Unless anybody gets mad at me, go prove me wrong on that one. Because you won't be able to. You can argue, you can get mad, you can be angry, you can cuss. Don't make me no difference. It's still true. You know why? Because Ephesians tells me in clear language, He is my peace. He is. He is. He is. He's not just who keeps me out of hell. He's everything. He's paid it all. He'd done it all in human flesh so he could show to do it just like I'm going to have to to show me it could be done. That he needed the grace of God to do it. I just read it to you that Jesus in the flesh operated in the grace of God. You know what that was? An ability and a power given by his father that he didn't have in himself. It wasn't his deity that didn't have it. It wasn't the word that didn't have it. It was, it, was, it was the flesh that didn't have it. It was the submission of it. It was, it was the submission of, of, of his deity to humanity. And he'd done it faithfully. Therefore, chapter 3, verse 1, holy brethren, Partakers of the heavenly calling. Did you see what he just called us? Holy. Holy brethren and sisters. Partakers of the holy calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says. Who was faithful to him. Who appointed him. As Moses was faithful in all his house. For this one, that's Jesus, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses inasmuch as he built the house, has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his houses as a servant for a testimony of those things which are spoken to be afterward. But Christ, 
But, there's the conjunction, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast to confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Verse 2 said, Jesus, who was faithful to God, that's his humanity. He needed the grace of God. Merciful with God. Faithful to God. Do you know what that is? That's the how-to. That's the how-to. It truly is in Him that I live and I move and I have my being. When you go back to this book and find out what it says about you and believe it and settle it in your heart that this is true. Thy word is true because Jesus is truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Remember, you shall know the truth. He's talking about himself. And the truth me shall make you free and then the son is set free it's free indeed free indeed free indeed free indeed Paul said to the Galatian church in Galatians 5 and 1 he says he told them concerning that they were getting wrapped up in a bondage again he said to stand he he straightened all this mess out you're not by the law you're by Christ He said, now stand wherefore in the liberty, the freedom, wherewith who? Christ has made you free. He said, be no longer enslaved. You could insert incorrectly again. Be no longer enslaved again in a yoke of bondage. Anything outside of him is enslavement. And it's bondage. In the church world today, we tend to, we just trade one bondage for another. Like an addict that just changes one addiction for another. They're not free, they just change one addiction for another addiction. It's in Him that we get free. What I'm telling you is when you, when you get in this Word that you have to, and you see who you are. I don't feel like that. It doesn't matter what you feel like. If you're, him, if you're in Him, you're, what, you're who he says he is. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. You want to identify as something? Get saved and identify as in Christ. It'll change your world. Believe what he says about you. If you can believe what some TikTok influencer said about you, you've never even met that flake, then surely you can believe what the one who has changed the course of, this, of the history of the world has said about you and can back it with his power and with his strength when you believe him. Surely, that's why I'm telling you, you gotta know this book. You gotta be, you gotta believe him. And when you do that, all that self-garbage will go out the window because you'll know it's no longer about you, it's about him. And when, and he is perfection. And that is the goal. And that is. Stand so I'll shut up.
while I tell you that perfection is the goal. It is the goal. You know how I know? Because Paul said it was the goal. He said, I have not attained it, but I'm striving for it. And it is the goal. It's the, in fact, it's the, it's, it's, the, it's, the up, it's the prize of the upward call. And it is attainable in him. Come on, somebody. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. I pray that it catches fire in our soul. It is my prayer that Mag would begin to believe the word about us individually and corporately. And that we would begin to walk in who you say we are. And move in who you say we are. That we would begin to believe your word, to be faithful to your word, to understand your word, and to act on your word. And that, Lord, that you would, that you would send, that you would step in the middle of this place and divine power and fire of the Holy Spirit and turn it upside down and make us, and make us a city set on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden, salt that, can, that, that makes people so thirsty that they've got to drink at the fountains of living water. Lord, a meeting is not good enough for me. An attendance is not good enough for me. Lord, we've got to have you. Every individual in this house and every family represented needs you to, to intervene in their life and in their family and in their marriage and in their children and in this church. Lord, that you would move, that you, well, I, I can, I, you're going to honor your word because it's settled. Your word says that you will shake everything that can be shaken. And the shaking is underway. Lord, shake us. Stir us. Stir us. As Paul said to Timothy, that you, we would stir up the gift that is in us. It's not good enough that my grandmother and my mother experienced it. Stir it up now in us. Lord, we need you. Let it catch fire, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.